You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. It starts with a essay, as it were, about Arabic and Hebrew, Arabic and Lashon HaKodesh, and how the languages don't at least Arabic, which is the not only the language of his audience, but the mindset of his audience, which he knows is they're going to bring to the table when they look at the psukim. And so the Rambam knows that all of us do not think in the Tanakh language. We think in the language that we grew up in. We think in the language and the attitudes of the society that formed us and the language of that society is going to influence the way we look at the words of the Torah, the way we translate the words of the Torah, the way we understand them. And and in many ways, we need to warn ourselves and say, when the Torah writes us, this is not the way things are written and understood from our perspective. So the Rambam starts this, this, this essay the eighth essay, as it were, about discussing what is the difference between a term of negative commandment of don't do that, a no that means if you do it, you have violated my will, to it doesn't have to be done, or this will not happen. And especially when you see the terms are very similar, you might jump to the conclusion that this is a negative commandment. So he starts off, we're going to read it from the, here you see the Arabic on one side, and here's the Hebrew. We're going to read it in Kapak's Hebrew, and I know that we're going to trust his translation. We know that that if there's a term that's just a shlila, which he calls here, um, Al-Nafi, Ashlila. Nahi is in Arabic a, a command not to do something. A nafi means, hey, don't do, in other words, that won't happen. Whereas Nahi means don't do it. So the Rambam says that when we talk about an Ashara, when we talk about a command not to do something, a Nahi, and he, of course, is one of the two parts of what commands are. Because if you have someone you're commanding, you command them to do things and not to do things. You command them to eat matzah, you command them not to eat chaylef. Now, when it comes in the Arabic tongue, which is the Arabic mindset of most of his readers, there is not a term that actually includes both mitzvah saseh and mitzvah saseh. There's no one Arabic word that means both together, like a term that could con- to contain uh, a command sometimes to do stuff, and also it could also mean a command not to do something. And he says, and then he quotes the he quotes the Arabic uh, philologists who say, when it comes to the the Arabic language, there is no word for that that includes them both. So in some ways, we have to call them both, even the negative commandment, we give it an inexact phrase sometimes. We call it the tzivui, or in Arabic, an amar. It really, that is really inexact. But for some reason, 
that's the best we came up with. Now, we know, you can see, that obviously commands are, mo- are, are, are prominent and paramount, but in any system, there's also the stuff you can't do. The word that is used to, to signal all the things you can't do, it's interesting, of course, is the same as the word in Hebrew. It's the word low. Hmm. That's the word low. Hmm. And you have the word low in every language. Some sort of word that says, don't do this. Don't do this. Now, obviously, the Rambam says, for something to to have a negative aspect to it and to make it a command, it means that it is complete and it can't be changed and it has to be that way. That's what makes something a negative commandment. Now, in Hebrew, we can refer to all of these things, unlike Arabic, there is a word that can mean both the negative and positive. And that's the word gzeira. The word gzeira, you can see, can mean whether it's an ase or los ase. It's what God has indicated. God has cut forth and demanded we do. That is the way things are and he wants his Arabic readers to understand that. He knows they're going to be sometimes confused. Now he gets to his greater point. Sometimes there's something called a, there's something called a nafi. A nafi in Hebrew means shlila, something that should not happen. It's not an azhar, it's not a warning not to do it. It's saying this will not occur. For example, it's saying that this thing will not happen in this situation, but it's not a command at all. When you see that phrase, it does not mean a command in any shape, way, shape, or form. For example, you can use the word low, and you can say, Plony lo achal, Plony didn't eat. It doesn't mean that it's us or to eat. You're telling a story. Or you could say, this man, ain, you might use the word ain, Ain Shoseyayan, Ain Ruvain, right? Ruvain is not the father of Shimon. In Arabic, he uses Arabic terms, Zid and Amar. <laughs> In Arabic, it wasn't Ruvain and Shimon, it was Zid and Amar. But anyway, the point is, is that there's no command there. In Arabic, there is a word that usually means, he says, it's not going to happen, which is the word Ma. And I don't speak Arabic, but Mem Aleph, Ma. There's another word um, that's also used called Lis. But in Hebrew, in Washna Kodesh, when we're trying to say this isn't going to happen, a, a, a very, uh, tr- not troubling, but a very complex thing is, is that the same word is used for it's not going to happen, for you shall not let it happen. You use the word low. Now, to say it's not going to happen, you always use the word ain. Um, for example, um, um, but low is a tricky one. Ain, the Rambam says, always means it should not happen. But low, in many, many places, does not mean it should not be. 
meaning it can't happen, meaning you should not let it happen, but that it won't happen. Classic cases, lokam navi, od be Israel. That's not a lotase, that's not a command. That means God is giving a prophecy that there will never be a prophet like Moshe. Okay? Or the Pusik says about God, lo ish el, God is not human. Okay, that's not a Pusik, that's not, that's not a mitzvah. Right? Um, or it says, lo amadish, in, in, in Megillah Esther. Nobody could stand up. It doesn't mean... It doesn't mean that a person was commanded not to stand up. It means that he wasn't able to find the courage to stand against Mordechai. Or Mordechai himself decided not to move when Haman came. Um, we have the word, when it comes to Ayin or Ain, we have a number of psukim where it always means that. It means it's a story that they don't know. It's describing things about Mason. So he says, you see from all these cases, there's a difference between shalila and azhara. There's a difference between the thing won't happen to this thing must not happen, and I command it to never happen. Because an azhara is a command. And that means there needs to be an action that's commanded to, to not do. And we know whenever you have a command, like the Rambam has already told us, it's not just based on a certain situation but it's forever and ever. That's what makes things commands, that they don't change. And therefore, you're never going, if you have a a, a term that's referring to something in the past, you know it's not a command. If it's referring to something that used to be or just something that might be in the future, then that low, if you ever find it in the Torah, cannot be a low, does it? That, the Rambam says, needs to be a, a description. That's just telling you it won't happen. But it's not a command. Because, as the Rambam says, If you're telling me a description of what's going to be, of what was, of what will never happen again, there's no commands over there. Commands are beyond the context. Commands are eternal. When you're talking about a story or a description of what will be or what didn't happen, that needs a subject. It needs people that the subject is about. But at Sivoy, though, a command is a Dover Shalim. And therefore, it, doesn't, it isn't dependent on the things behind it. And therefore, you're never going to have a, a command that seems to be connected to some sort of story. However, when it comes to a shlila, where it comes to, and this won't happen, those are all full of stories. Because that's what it's really about. It's, it's part of narrative. That this won't happen in the past. It won't happen in the future. It's not happening now. He says, anybody, this is clear to anyone if they really think about it. And again, this is very unique. You know, most of you were expecting, you know, some sort of halacha from the Rambam. The Rambam here is really speaking about the nature of language the nature of the term, it shall not, shall not be. He's, he's, he's fine-tuning what a mitzvah is versus a descriptive phrase. And then he says, look, since this is clearly true, even though there's a term that is in the Torah with the word low, you shouldn't count that as a low sase. And 
it's clear. He says, it's clear that you can't count all those phrases. Oh, there's a negative commandment there. Because anyway, if you think about what I'm writing here, it's clear that there's differences between commands of what not to do and shliva, nefiz, between nehiz and nefiz, using the Arabic word. But he says, unfortunately, there have been others that didn't know this. There's others who did not realize this. And because of that, they give the lav of lo avodim. They use this as a, they count this as a lo This is, by the way, the opinion of the Baal Halachas Gedolos, the Bahak. He says lo avodim is a lo now, in order to put this into perspective, what I'd like to do is show you that verse. Okay? Okay. So the Torah says that um, a person can sell his daughter for a maidservant. The Bahad counts this as a low sasay. Low tetsay. Okay, let's read a little bit more. But if the owner doesn't like her, that he doesn't allow her to get married to either him, to him as, as the years go on, that she should become a wife, not just a maidservant. So he's got to let her be redeemed. He can't just now decide to resell her to somebody else. He's betrayed her. The reason why the father made the deal to let this little girl be a maidservant was for her to learn the skills and eventually become a wife. As you can see, the next one says too, it could happen to his son. It could be his son's wife. Well, you treat her like any other girl. And if if the if the man or his son takes a second wife, the first, this little girl who started as a maidservant but now is a wife, needs to have all the rights of a of a regular wife. And if you don't do these three things, then you don't let her get redeemed. And she leaves when she reaches a certain age. That's the law of an Oma, of, of a Oma Ivriya. What about this Pasuk again? So, the Bahag counts this as a mitzvah. Now, in order to understand the Rambam's critique of the, of the Bahag, I want to show you a Pasuk that's coming up here, also in Parshas Mishpatim. A number of Pasukim later, it says, Kiyake ishes avdo oes amoso. All right, that's a pasuk that says that if a person hits his evid or his alma, umes tachas yado nokam If they die immediately, you're a murderer. Ach im yom o yamayim yamod lo yukam. But if the victim is able to linger for a couple of days, the Owner is not punished. 
is not considered someone that we must take vengeance against. Kikaspohu. Because the person that he hit was his kesef. Okay. Maybe it's apropos that it's Juneteenth that we're talking a little bit about the laws of slavery here. Um, a little bit further, the Torah writes, if a person hits his servant, knocking out his eye or knocking a tooth out, then he, the person is sent free, the maid or, or slave is sent free. And if it's the tooth also, whether it's an eye or a tooth, the person is set free. Okay. So these are some of those slave laws. Now remember the first law that we started with was about the father selling his young daughter. Okay, let's go back to the Rambam now. So the Rambam says, when the Torah writes, that the slave girl doesn't, this young girl doesn't leave, that's not a command. That's saying she doesn't have the other laws. She doesn't have the other laws. She doesn't have the other laws, like, like obeyer ha'inyan, kamo shazbir, vu shashem don maka avdo amoso aknanim. We know God's rule is that if you hit a a a knani servant, vechisro b'shasako, and when you're hitting them, you cause in that hitting for one of their limbs to fall out, like an eye or a tooth. They go free. So you would have thought, you would have said, well, for sure should be that way. Why? Because if it's true that if you hit someone who is not a born Jewess, but someone who, who, who we took over, a nation that we conquered, uh, from, and, and that we, we, we forced them to sort of become Jews, and now they're living as indentured slaves under us completely, and you hit them, they now become free and totally emancipated. For sure, that should be hold true for a, a, a girl who comes from a good Jewish family. That's why it's a shlilus. It's telling you, look, you're going to be reading in Parshas Mishpatim about the way slaves leave. She doesn't have this. It's not a command. It's telling you that she doesn't have, you don't have to apply to a Jewish slave the rules that you apply to a non-Jewish slave. What does it mean? Kilu Omar. You don't have to free her. That's what the Torah means. She's not like an Evid Kanani, a Shifcha Kananis, that if you become violent with her and she loses that limb, she gains her freedom right away. You, that doesn't apply to this girl if you become violent with her. So all this is telling you is that this law doesn't apply, low, meaning don't apply 
this law here. It doesn't apply. It doesn't, it's not effective. It doesn't mean a command from God not to do it. It's not a command that you can't free her. Like the Bahad counts it. And, and, the Ramb- and the Rambam says, if you look at the Matike Ashmu, if you look at Torah Shabal Peh, the people who knew what the traditions were, they say in the Mechilta, which is, of course, the old Medrash on, Sef- on, 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 on Sefer Shmos, Lo so you see, that's the way they interpret it. She doesn't go out like a Canaanite. But it's not saying that this is a command. It's just telling you she is different than a Canaanite, even though you logically would have assumed that she for sure should get the benefits of, of, of what a Canaanite would get. So basically, it's a Shulila. It's like we call, it's a, called a Nafi. It's not a Nahi, it's a Nafi in Arabic. It's a Shlila. It's not an Azhara. Lo Ananaha. It's not an Azhara. It's, it's telling you it doesn't apply. What's a Shlila, Rabbi? A Shlila means that not that you shall not let this happen, but it doesn't need to happen. So you have the word Lo. Look for Henry, you have the word Lo Tetzay, Ketzay Savadim. Is that a command from God? Or is that saying that she, the Oma Ivria, doesn't have this law? Lo doesn't always mean, you have to know how to read the context. Lo means don't treat her like an Oma, like a Canaanite, even though you might have wanted to. God says she doesn't get that benefit. And he says it's the same thing, for example, that you have in Parshas Sazria. It says that the Kohen doesn't have to check if it, if, if it grows. If it gets bigger, we know that the house or that the person stays Tomei. So that's, that the, when it says lo yevakir, it doesn't mean, oh, if the Kohen comes, he has violated a command by showing up. Lo yevakir means he doesn't need to come. It's telling you that, that when you see this uh, uh, this uh, leprous, lep- this, this mark of leprosy grow, that means lo yavaker. There's no need for the Kohen to come. But that doesn't mean that it's a, a negative command if he shows up another place. We know when we talk about a shifcha uh, harufa, a, a, a shivcha harufa is a woman who is married to an Evan Ivri. Now, it's a little complicated. I'll try to explain it quickly. Let's say we talked about a shivcha kananis a couple of minutes ago. A shivcha kananis is owned completely, let's say, by two people. How did that happen? She was owned by Yaakov. And now Yaakov died, and Reuven and Shimon inherit her. And she's a woman, a woman slave, a Shifcha Kananis. Now, Reuven decides to free her. Shimon says, no, I want her to work for me. 
She's called a Chatsi Shivcha, Chatsi Bas Chorim. Now, that woman cannot have relations now with a slave, because a regular uh, non-Jewish slave, an Evid Kanani, because part of her is a complete Jewess. She also can't have relations with a regular Jewish man because part of her is a slave. So the one person that she could have relations with is an Evid Ivri, a person who stole and was sold in slavery, a free Jew who was sold in slavery, an Evid Ivri. The Evid Ivri lives with this woman and in many ways considers her his wife. But the rest of the world doesn't look at her like that. There's not a real Kedushan there. And therefore, the Torah says that if somebody decides to seduce this woman, to sleep with her, the Torah says that there's going to be consequences for what you did. But lo yamusim, you're not going to be killed. You're not killed for doing that. Um, the Pusik says, it says, Lo you musu. You don't kill the person who sleeps with this woman, even though she is in a way the wife of this Evid. Now we discover you sleeping with her. You don't die as you would do if for being an adulterer. Why? Because she's not free. What does that mean? Right? When it says, it's not, that's not a, it's not a negative commandment. That's telling us that you might have thought that she is an Ashish, but she's not. That's what it says, the same thing by the, by the, by the tsaras. Lo yivakir, you don't need to show up. That's what it says by Yomayavriya. Lo teitze, you might think that she does, she doesn't. Lo yamusu isn't a lo sase. What it is, is telling you, don't think that you die for this. You're going to get makos, we're not, we're not happy with what you did, but you're not considered an adulterer. You're not Chayev Misa. Why? Because she isn't completely free. Rav Sad if you look at his translation of Lo Yumosu, says Lo Yikatla. Which means, Rav Sadia understood this Pasuk to say that there's a negative commandment to kill someone for doing this. Meaning, let's say the Evan Ivory raises a stink and he says, my woman was slept with. This man is an adulterer. If Besden decides to kill that person, Besden has violated a low sase of low yumosu. They're not allowed to kill this person. They're not allowed to say, we consider this like regular adultery. That's the way Rav Sadia Gaud explains this. The Rambam says, that's not true. You don't, don't tell me you shall not kill this person. It's not a lot, I'll say. That makes it an ashara. It's not an ashara. What we're telling you is, 
that the person who does this is not deservant of death. The person is not, but not that if you try to kill that person, you violated uh, an Avera of, of, of Lo Yumosu. By the way, according to Rav Saad Yago, it will come out that that's all you did. In other words, you're not considered a murderer for putting this person to death. You just violated a lot, say, the Sanhedrin did. But the Sanhedrin is not considered murderers. The Ramam says all that is wrong. It's the same thing when the Torah speaks about a girl who was who a married woman, a married girl who was who was uh, discovered in the field with a rapist or a man who took her, and we don't know if she screamed or not, and nobody heard her scream, so we do not put that girl to death. It says "ain lenara chaymovas," using the word "ain." Now that's not a lot I say. That's telling you she's not chay of misa. The same thing it says by the Shifcha Harufa, lo yumasu, meaning she isn't, if someone sleeps with her, you don't get the death sentence. It's not a lota say at all. She doesn't, it's not considered a, a sentence of death because. Rabbi, she, does the one who slept with her get a death sentence? No, no, that's the point. The one who sleeps with the Shifcha Harufa. The Torah is telling you it's not as bad as a real married woman. Why? The Torah even says why. Because she's not 100% free. Because, so therefore, you know, it's, it's like you slept with a slave woman. So we're going to get makos. You shouldn't have slept with her. She, you're not supposed to sleep with slave women. But you're not going to die. This, despite the fact that she, that she has this fictional relationship with this Evid Ivri. And they pretend they're a big husband and wife. They really aren't really husband and wife. And therefore, when you sleep with her, you're a bum, but you're not guilty of death. And that's what the Torah means. Lo yumosu. You, you're not going to get the death sentence. But it's not a command. It's not saying how you better not kill this person. That's not what it's saying. Sadyagon translates it that way. The Ramam says there's something wrong with that translation. And now we get to something which I spoke about a couple of weeks ago in Parshas Korach. What do we say in the Torah about, about Korach. In order to uh, explain this, once again, I'm going to look at the book. Let's, re- let's read a little bit of, of Bamidbar Yudzayim. This is after the 250 men who, who rebelled, died. Pick up those centropans. And as far as the fire, push that fire away. Why? Because those centropans are holy. Those were sinners. They sinned with their souls. But you know what you're going to do with those pans? You're going to turn them into plates that are going to cover the Mizbeach. Because they did bring them in front of God. And in a way, they were separate. They became, in a certain sense, holy. And the main thing is, everyone will notice that they're going to be an os for the Jewish people. Elazar Cohen did that. He went and got those pans, and what did he do? He beat them out into a shape that they could cover them as beach. And by doing that, it was a zikaro to the Bnei Yisrael. Again, here's the word os and zikaro. People saw it. Laman asher lo yekriv ish. No one 
who isn't from the priestly family will ever think that they could come to offer incense. And they're not going to be like Korach. Okay, now, what is this Pasuk saying when it says, right? So simply, the Pasuk seems to be saying, okay, um, they'll never use those plates to be against Hashem and Moshe. Or, or, lo yikrav, in other words, now that you see the Mizbeach and you realize that as great as those people were, they didn't make it, and you realize that that what they did and, and how they died, no one is ever going to think that they could be a Kohen anymore and to bring the Ktores, and they won't be like Korach, right? No one's going to want to do what Korach did. That's the simple pshat, right? That's the simple pshat, right? Um, It'll be a remembrance. And therefore, they're not gonna, is, we're not going to have korachs again. We're not going to have people like korach anymore. In other words, ha- doing this action cements the idea in the Jewish people's mind that this is the wrong thing to do. But it's this, 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 this term in simple pshat is not a command. It's, it's a description of the effect of what covering the Mizbeach with these pans is able to accomplish. Now, the rest of the Pasuk says, Kasher Diber Hashem Biyad Moshe Lo. Now, the Ramban says that maybe this is referring to Elozer. This is all part of what Elozer was supposed to do. But the words, Kasher Diber Adonai Biyad Moshe Lo, like Hashem spoke in the hand of Moshe to him, this term is a little bit problematic, these last three words. So let's take a look at the Rambam. The Rambam says, let's look at the Rambam. The Rambam says, all right, let's see that again. It means you won't be like that. The Chachamim tell us that this is not a lot, Anyone who decides that he doesn't like the Kohan and wants to be a Kohan himself and thinks he could bring Ketoros and thinks he should be the Kohan. What's going to happen to him is not what happened to Korach. Klomar, look at the Rambam. He's not doing, he's not going with the simple pshat here, the Rambam. The Rambam is, 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 is quoting Chachomim here. What does the Pasuk mean? The Pasuk means that if someone today or in future times decides to become a, to think he's a Kohen and do what Kohanim are supposed to do, he's not, he's not going to be like Korach that 
God is going to cause the earth to open up and swallow him, but he's going to get another punishment. What's going to be his punishment? The punishment that God spoke when it was about the hand of Moshe, when it was referring to Moshe. Where, where was it that God spoke to Moshe and it affected Moshe's hands? Glomer Hatsaras. That's when Moshe got Saras in the very beginning of Shemos, where Moshe said he didn't think the Bnei Yisrael were going to listen. And, and what, did, what happened to Amro Yisrael? God said to Moshe, Lo, what did God say to Moshe after he sort of you know, spoke bad about what he thought the Bnei Yisrael's capacity to listen was? What did Moshe say? What did God say to Moshe? He said, Havo no yotcha bechekecha. Put, do what? Put your hand into your, uh, in, into your, in, into your, into your lap, into your chest, and then take it out. And it was all white. And we know that this is what happened to Uziol. Uziol was a king and he in certain ways was a tzaddik starting out, but he thought he could wear the tzitz. He wanted to combine Kohanim and Melech. And as soon as he put on the tzitz and felt that he could be like a Kohen, right away, Tsaras broke out all over his head and he, he had to give up being Melech. So according to the Rambam, how does the Rambam explain this Pasuk? Let's go now look at the Pasuk again. Azor will not try to bring Ketores, but Velo he's not going to end up like Korach. He's going to end up how? He's going to end up like Moshe did. <laughs> That's the way the Rambam explains this Pasuk. So it's not a Lotase, but it's actually a story of what will happen. That if in the future anybody ever decides to argue with the Kohanim, Lo what's going to happen to him will not be like Korach swallowed up in the ground and dying that way or whatever it was, but it's going to be like God spoke way back in the beginning of Shamos, you talking about the hand of Moshe when he gave Moshe the business about what Moshe said. So Rabbi, why didn't the Miraglim get so ras if they went against Moshe? Because Hanach, they didn't say they were Kohanim. In other words, this is a special low, this is a special, not a lotase. This is God um, implying and informing that if anyone tries to be a Korach, a miniature Korach, in the future times, the big, great miracle isn't going to happen anymore. Right. But there will be Tsaras, because Tsaras is what happens when. We talked about Tsaras the last two weeks about Tsaras and Loshon Hara. Now it's Tsaras about trying to knock down the Kohanim, trying to assume that you're a Kohen, trying to push Kohanim out of the way and trying to say there's no need for Kohanim. I could be a Kohen too. You're going to get Tsaras if that happens. That's what this Pusik is saying. According to now, below, below you, now, Rashi in simple Pshad says it means you shouldn't end up like Korach. The Rambam says it means, and you won't end up like Kairach, but you end up like Moshe. That's what this means. But it's not a lotase. It's not a lotase. Don't be like Korach, because the Bahag and many other Monia mitzvahs counted as a lotase. Here they are. The 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 Bahag 
counts this as a, 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 a lotase. And it's based on the Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says, Amar Ishlokish, we know that Moshe went to Dosan Vaviram when he didn't have to. Ishlokish says, you see from here, that even though you're in the right, you don't keep an argument going. And Rav said, over If someone keeps an argument going, if someone keeps, there's a, there's a machlokas in a community, and that person is fueling the fire, he's part of it, he's keeping it going, he has violated a lav. What's the lav? Don't be like Korach. You're a Korach man. Now, it's interesting. Rav Ashi quotes sort of what the Rambam says. No, if you, if, but not, he says, you're going to get saras. Because it says, Biyad Moshe. And we know when Moshe put his hand in his chest, it came out like Tzaras. Now, is this a mitzvah? Is this a, if, if you decide to join a group that's fighting with someone, and there's a machlokas in the shul, do we keep the rabbi? We don't keep the rabbi. And they find out that the rabbi, who knows, um, you know, the rabbi overslept once. And because of that, people say, oh, he's a bum. He sleeps late. And there's a whole discussion. And we're going to go do a whole research about him. And half of the shul says, okay, so he slept late, but he's a good guy. I said, no, no, I found out about him from yeshiva days, and he was a bum, and he was kicked out of this yeshiva, and he didn't put that on his resume that he was kicked out of the yeshiva. Oh, oh, he's a liar. And now there's two camps, and you're part of that camp. And and, And then there's a protest for the rabbi, protest against the rabbi. Okay, so is joining that group are you over a low sase of being like Korach? Is that what's going on? If, um, is, there a, is there a low tase of being a, a rabble rouser? But as you said, it's only in the case, only in the case of, uh, of wanting to take over being a Kayin. Oh, so it's a good point. Um, if you take a look at, at some of the Monea Mitzvahs, however, the Smak, for example, says, don't, don't try to take over the Kahuna. Included in that is Shelo Yiyeh Baal So in general, to be a Baal you're over this Avera of Lo Yiyeh So is this a Lota say or not? So there are people like the Bahag and the Smak and others who count it. The Rambam teaches us, the Rambam is saying, it's not the case. Let's look at the Rambam again. The Rambam says, no, there's not, that's not what it means. It means you won't get sarat, you won't go, get swallowed up. But this is not a lotase, not being like Korach. He nezel derech hatochachot. I'm sorry. Even though the Gemara in Sanhedrin quoting Rav says, anyone who's machzik b'machlokas, anybody who joins one of the two camps and decides to fight for the rabbi or against the rabbi and keeps this community fighting with each other over Bilal, Lotase. And the Gemara does say that. He says, I know the Gemara says it, but it's derech tochachot. Not that that's what the Pasuk means. In Arabic, the Rambam calls it alavats. It's like an, it's an advice. Not that that's what the Pasuk means. We're using this Pasuk and making a 
drash out of it because we don't want people making machlokas. Obviously, that's bad. But are you, have you violated an alota say from the Torah? Rambam says that's not what this Pesach means. He says there is somewhere else about not being a Balmachlokas in a different Lotase, and I'll explain it when I get to it. Now, um, the Rambam then says that um, if anybody doesn't realize this, he says that So if anybody doesn't realize this, like the Bahag, like the Rav Sadiagod, he says, and he uses very strong language. He says that um, he says that um, the people who who don't realize this are people that have not really fundamentally looked at the psukim properly. And that's what he says, that this comes from a lack of real recognition of what the words mean. And the Rambam says that you really need to know this and you need to realize that there is a difference. Um, and you need to be honest in the way you read things. And that's what he says. Anyone who looks at the Torah needs to have an understanding of when something is a command, when no means don't do this, and if you do it, you're going against my will, and when no means it shouldn't happen, and no means something will not happen. And if you know that difference, then you'll be able to figure out which sometimes it's gonna say low, and it just means, and it won't happen. And sometimes it means a negative commandment. So obviously this is a very uh, pointed criticism on the Bahag and Rasad The Ramban defends both of them. And the Ramban defends both of them with the following. He says, like usual, he feels the Rambam has overstated things. Anyone who knows Lashon HaKodesh knows that these ideas are true. And he says, you, you think that that Sadia, the Balichos Gadolos, other people didn't understand that sometimes the low means it won't happen and sometimes means it shouldn't happen and I command it didn't happen. Everyone knows that. He says, anyone who's ever been a teacher and anyone who's ever studied the book of the Torah knows that's true. However, it isn't as simple as the Rambam says. There needs to be, in order to say low means it won't happen and it's not a command, there needs to be a, 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 a way that the Torah is indicating that that's the case. The Rambam feels that anybody with brains can figure out which is a low tase 
and which is a, uh, uh, what he calls a shlila, and which is a nashara. And anybody could figure it out. The Ramban says it's not so simple. There needs to be, there, he says that um, you need to have that other proofs from other places in the Torah before you're able to, uh, to, to say definitively. Now let's, let's deal with two things. Let's deal with the, about Oma Ivriya. I want to read you some interesting things about Oma Ivriya. Remember the Rambam says Oma Ivriya means she doesn't have the benefit of, of a, of, of a Shifcha Kananis. Let's see what the Ramban, Ramban writes here. He says, everyone knows there's something called a shliva. Everyone knows there's something called an azhara. Now, lo could say savodim, it's possible to say the Bahag is right. It is a command, not just saying it won't happen. It's not just saying every Kanani doesn't apply to her. You know why? Because the Torah didn't need to say that. The Torah didn't need to say what the Rambam says. Don't treat her like an every Kanani. Why should you think you treat her like an every Kanani? Anyone who reads the, the Torah knows that the laws of every Kanani are totally different than every Ivri. Now, the Rambam says you're going to make a Kalvachomer. That if it's true for an that if it's true for a, a, a woman who was born to the non-Jewish world, for sure it should be true for a Jewish girl who becomes your slave. So that's not true. Because ultimately the idea that even though you didn't mean to beat her, but you 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 pushed your hand and you knocked her eye out. It doesn't have to be that she was being hit by you and slapped around by you. The point is, we, even if you were just not careful with her and you just, you, 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 you didn't notice her and you didn't realize that she was around and you allowed your hand to move in a way that it knocks her teeth out or knocks her eye out, we, we say she's now free. That's called a knas. That's a knas. That's called a, a, a fine against you for not treating her with the proper amount of carefulness. Now, where God wants there to be a knas is very unique. We never take one fine and, and, and learn it from someplace else. Ain lemedim in aknosis. You don't say that what's true for one knas is true from another. And therefore, we wouldn't have said a koshkein. We wouldn't have said, well, if, if you give this knas, for an Om Ivriya, for a Shifcha Kananis, I'm sorry, you're going to give it for a, 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 an Om Ivriya. Kanasim have their own rules. And everybody who knows Gemara knows that's true. Zayadua Batalmud. In fact, the Gemara says, Knos, you can't even learn one Kanas from another Kanas. Knos, the Torah, the Gemara always says, Kanas is a Chiddush. And therefore, uh, by Motzi Shemra or other places. These are, this is a Chiddush. You can't learn out one case from another. So therefore, you couldn't have made the Rambam's Kolshke. That's why the Bahag says that 
It's a mitzvah lotsa say. Lotetse could say savod. What does that mean? What it means is, is that when it comes to this situation, there's going to be regret. When a man gives up his daughter to become an Amma Ivriya, there's going to be regret. Now, there might be regret on both sides, by the father who, who gave her in and for the person who owns her, as the Torah itself indicates. The Torah is now telling us that you got to follow these rules, which means either you marry her, your sons marry her, or she becomes 12 years old and she becomes free, or all the money that was paid gets repaid. Till that happens, she is a proper, in a sense, the responsibility of the person who bought her and he needs to provide meals for her. If he doesn't like her, he can't just decide to hit her or anything else and say, good, oh, now she's free. I don't have to feed her anymore. Can't do that. Because many times, let's say, for example, you knock her eye out. By an Evid, the amount of years that she's going to be working, right? How many years is she working? She's supposed to work till she becomes 12. How much money does, she, does the father get for her? So if she's eight years old, the father gets four years of work paid. Her eye is worth more than four years of work. So therefore, the Torah is telling you the owner cannot decide to somehow free her in some other way. The Torah is saying, no, monoakosib is there. The same way the Torah says that if she stays with you, she you have to treat her like a regular wife. You bought her. You cannot try to do anything else to try to break this contract. You definitely can't just throw her out and say, go back to your father. You can't do that. That's what the Bahag counts this as a mitzvah. That, that, that don't think, because we know this is a situation that could sour easily, the Ramban says. And the Bahag says, that's why the Bahag says, this is a lotase. Do not, once you're in this, you cannot muck around with it. You can't say, well, I'm going to hit her, I'm going to kick her out, it doesn't work. It's possible, the Ramban says, that the regret might be on the father's part. The father might say, I can't stand the fact that I sold her. And now she's living by this Simon Legree. I got to do something. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to break into the guy's house and I'm going to just grab her away from him. No. You know what? I'm going to go in there and, and who knows what? I'm going to, I'm, I'm, and then I'm going to say that, that, that he's been beating her or something. We're going to make up a case and a story. Because Lefisha'av u'bnei a lot of times, they're going to try to make whatever type of story it is to say there was a fight, to plant evidence. Terrence says, no. You can't treat her. This is the rules here. The owner, the parents, they've just got to live with it. They've got a base. She has to finish her work. And there's a possibility of him marrying her. 
And that's all there is. So, the Ramban says, we know that the next Pasuk says, don't sell her. So this is also telling you, these are the rules. The rules that apply to the owner and to the parents. Now, the Ramban says, I like this so much, I think it might even be true. I don't agree this way, but the Rambam is wrong for thinking the Bahag is ridiculous for thinking that way. This might be what the Lotase is. The Ramban says it probably isn't, but that doesn't mean that the Bahag doesn't understand how psukim work. This could actually be what the Pusik means. And that's what the Bahag says, and it could be there's a Medrash that backs the Bahag up. The Rambam disagrees, but he's, the Bahag is not silly. Now, when it comes to Korach, I don't understand the Rambam at all. The Rambam quotes a, 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 a drash. That's not the Pashup shot in the Pusik that you're not going to be swallowed, you're going to get Saras. That's, that's what the Rambam quotes as the Pusik. That for sure isn't what the Pusik means. So that's, the Pusik is definitely not saying that you're going to get Saras. That is a drasha. That's for sure a drasha. The Pashup shot is, is that God commanded Aro Elezer to make these to, to take these pans, cover them as Bayach, as a Zikaron, so that Kohanim shouldn't do the Avoda, and nobody should ever argue with Aaron anymore, argue with Kohanim. Like it says, and therefore people aren't going to eat the Gidanosha. People won't argue, uh, people won't argue against the Kahuna. We know when it says you shouldn't eat the Gidanosha, that's a Lotase. There's another Lotase in what, what, what Hanoch was saying before. There's a lot, I'll say, to try to make a revolt against Kohanim. If anybody does that, they have violated the lot, I'll say, of being like Korach. And that is what the, what the Rambam quotes is a medrashtan chuma. It's not the Pashib Shat. And the word Yad Moshe just means as God spoke to Moshe. It doesn't mean the hand of Moshe. So, therefore, the Ramban feels that you are over a love for trying to fight against Kohanim. Now, let's say you decide to join the other people in the shul against the rabbi. What about that? So here, the Ramban says, um, it might be an asmacht. Koa machzik b'machlokas over belota say, that is trying to help people to be different. Um, it's an asmachta. The Rabban's, and we'll end with this, the Ramban's cousin, Rabbeinu Yona, disagrees. He says clearly that it's actually a lotase to um, argue to be a Baumachlokas. Rabbeinu, let me just finish off with this. Rabbeinu says okay. that it means don't be about if you're machzik v'machlokas. However, he says that you are allowed to say lashon hara about a bal machlokas as well. But a bal machlokas, it's usher to be a bal machlokas. So the Rabbeinu Yonah, Ramban's cousin, says it's not an asmachta. Chafetz Chaim says that there's a big, there's a lot of nafkaminas whether 
this is allowed from the Torah or not. For example, if somebody joins that group, if someone makes a neder, a shvua, I'm going to join the anti-rabbi group. Do you swear to join us? Do you swear to show up? We need 500 people in front of the shul to get rid of the rabbi. If you swear, you have now been over a shvua shav because it's a lav in the Torah to become part of a machlokas. So you can't say I'm showing up to, 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 to pick it against the rabbi. That would be being over a lav in the Torah. And therefore you'd be over a shvua shav. The shvua wouldn't be a shvua. If you say like the Rambam, or like the Ramban, it's not a good thing what you're doing, but you could make a ned there to show up. <laughs> and, you would, and you would have to show up. If you made a ned there, that you're going to show up and, 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 and complain, you'd be mechuyiv to. According to Rabbi Yoni, you wouldn't. Obviously, this is a very important thing in Bizman Hazer. Do we consider being a Baumachlokas a lotase? Or is it only Chazal telling you it's not a nice thing? Or is it actually a law from the Torah itself? Rabbi, is, is the law against the Balmach Lokes? He seems to be the real guilty one, as opposed to those who join. A rabble rouser is, is Korach. But right. the people who join... They're uh, machzik. They're machzik b'machlokes. They're strengthening oh. it. Oh, okay. The, the, in other words, that's why it's Korach and his Ada, not just Korach. Even if you're not the one who started it, but if you add your name to the list, you put your name on the GoFundMe page, whatever it is, then you've been over a lot, I say. All right. The Rambam, says, you, the Rambam says that's not the case. Now, the only thing the Rambam does say is also from the Torah is when you have Shnei Bate Dinim, when there are two, two Bezdins in the same city continuing to paskin differently. Balabatim would not be over a lotase. The, what, the, what might be usher is for Talmidah Chachamim to hold two different halachic opinions. But that would not be this isser. It would be lotis godadu. Lotis godadu means don't create a, a Torah halacha where there's now two positions. And one Besden says, we don't eat Gebrokst in this city. And one Besden says, we eat Gebrokst. So having those two minhagim, these two hayros in the same city, in the same area, that might be, even according to the Rambam, an Isra from the Torah, because it's called, you're creating an aguda through Torah. You're allowing Torah, the two alochos, and each one can make a case why this should be Osir, and why this should be Mutter, but if they both are espousing it as what the Torah says and what the law should be or what the Rabbanans say, then that's using Torah to create a sense that Torah is not a unifier. The Torah is a way to cause people to be on opposite sides. That's not the same thing as fighting against the person who happens to be a Bendora or fighting for whatever purpose or maybe you don't like the Blasio, whatever it is or deciding that you, you need to go out and march uh, against w- what's going on if you feel that, th- that the government is showing favoritism in some way and you want to go out and march against that. That would be, be- being a Baal Machlokas. That would be Machsik Machlokas. Now, 
and that that you would be over a lot. There are now again, the Rebbe Yona says that you're supposed to be machzik lemachlokus if the if you're going against people that are doing evil. But as 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 as, as the Notabuta wrote, we don't we always rationalize the other side is evil as sin, and they are worse. Today, you can never trust yourself. So, basically, you have to be worried that you are going to be over a lotase. But according to the Rambam, that lotase doesn't exist. It's a shlilo. And, 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 and according to the Ramban, it's only if you actually try to fight against Kuhun itself. But the main purpose, of course, what we're trying to prove out here is what does it mean, no? Sometimes no doesn't mean no. Sometimes no means, well, it won't happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.